You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The time has come for America to hear the truth. We are going to stand with them, and not only are we going to fight for their rights, but we're going to stand up for our rights here in our state, in our homes, and in our community. United States of America is not going to be decided in the courts. It's not going to be decided in Congress. It's not going to be decided on talk radio, and it sure is not going to be decided on Fox News. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. For the Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host and fellow agitator David Story. It is Saturday, September 26, 2020, and we are broadcasting live online and on the radio on WVNN in the Huntsville, Decatur, Athens listening area from Athens, Alabama. A recording of this program will play tomorrow, Sunday, September 27th, 2020, on the great WGOL in Russellville, Alabama. Today is Open Line Saturday. Give us a call and talk to us about anything. 1-866-494-9866 is the number. Our first caller is already on the line. We're talking to Rick Neighbors, Democratic nominee for Congress in the 4th Congressional District. Uh, he is running against Republican incumbent Robert Adderholt. If you have questions for him, uh, then you can tweet your questions to us at Labor Reporters on Twitter or uh, give us a call. So uh, before we talk to before we talk to Rick, uh, I want to let you know uh, that we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, and listening to us, uh, giving us your time. We appreciate it. Um, if you want to see what we're up to throughout the week, get our snide quips about the news of the day, then you should follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Valley Labor Report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore A-L. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. That's spelled R-A-D-I-C-L Unionist. And if you miss part of the show and want to go back and watch it later, then you can search YouTube for The Valley Labor Report and subscribe to our channel. You can go back and watch the full show there. And we also clip segments uh, and publish them throughout the week. We also upload the program on more than 11 different podcasting apps. So to see if we are on your listening platform of choice, go to The Valley Labor Report dot transistor dot fm slash subscribe and if you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air then consider throwing us a couple dollars a month on patreon dot com slash the valley labor report so like i said on the line uh we have rick neighbors he is a vietnam veteran uh retired now i believe from working in the apparel industry for more than 35 years and he recently acquired his mba uh his master's in project management which is my field uh so that's interesting and and he's on the line today to talk to us about his candidate candidacy for congress uh so rick uh thanks for taking the time to call in and talk to us this morning i appreciate it Rick, okay. can you hear us? 
Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Good deal. Uh, allow me to be here. We know that labor is the foundation of our, of, of our nation. And people are working, men and women, is what make us the country that we are. So I'm glad to be here and glad to be speaking to the people who make the products that we use and consume throughout this land. Absolutely, absolutely. I I, uh, I appreciate uh, your, you taking the time to talk with us today. I really do. And you're absolutely right. That is, uh, um, you know, labor is uh, all all wealth comes from labor. This is something that is common sense. This is something that uh, Republicans used to agree to. Abraham Lincoln said that uh, labor is superior and always prior to capital. And uh, this is something that Teddy Roosevelt uh, believed in that that labor was um, was you know that. All, all wealth is created by labor, and, and so you know it's 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 important to recognize that it's important to um, stand up for the rights of working people, and um, and, and so uh, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time. So can you just tell us a little bit about why uh, uh, you know why you decided to run for Congress? What you're what you're kind of centering your campaign around, and and um, you know just just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um. I grew up in North Carolina, and I came to Alabama in 1979 in Oneonta and transferred up to Hackenberg in 1980, and that's where I met my wife, and this has been my home ever since. What got me interested in the, in the political race was, quite frankly, in 1980, people could make a living wage working, and in, 19, in, in 2010, they could not. The working people of this country, like you said, all wealth is created from labor. You got two things: you got material and you got labor. And what is capital? Capital is nothing but excess labor that that's been accumulated. And over the years, we've been taking the labor bill where they can't earn a living wage. In 1910, I mean, in 2010. Came across a program to build a factory in Alabama, paying twenty dollars an hour, in the time when the average wage in the fourth district was ten dollars and fifty cents an hour, and this was making comeback for restaurant lights. And uh, I tried to reach out to the gentleman who had this business, wanting to build this factory. I didn't get through. I contacted Robert Ederholt, the guy I'm running against. I said, "Make a phone call and see if we can get this factory here paying." A 400 operator paying 20 bucks an hour in 2010. He did not make that phone call, and they built that factory a year later. In this, a year later, in the state of Ohio, hmm. I was very curious and did not understand why our representative would not reach out with an opportunity. He could take credit for it. I didn't care. We just needed to get the jobs here at living wages or at better than what we had. That's when I began to look at his record and. In this fourth district, we have had a continuing decline in our standard of living for the workers throughout this district. Poverty rates have increased 54%, and people are struggling. And the reason they're struggling is that we, have, we our legislators, have created the laws that do not benefit their people, but benefit those people who pay for their campaign re-elections. And to me, this is wrong. It's not right. And... We have created this view that it's oh, we were supposed, working people are supposed to make poverty wages, and I 
categorically reject that claim. They need to, if they are essential workers, they need to be paid like they're essential workers. And we have to change the laws to allow that to happen. Absolutely. I completely agree with you there. And so can you said that you started looking into Adderholt's, um, Adderholt's record. And uh, since I'm not in the 4th Congressional District, I, I don't I honestly I don't know a whole lot about um, about his record. Can you kind of tell us t- tell us about like uh, tell us a little bit more about his record and, and why you think that it does not kind of stand up to scrutiny? Cause, you know, obviously you wouldn't be running against him if you thought he was doing a good job. So like what are what are some of your critiques of of his record and, and like the things that he advocates for? Well, what he, what he advocates for? We'll just, uh, uh, that is hard down because he doesn't advocate for much. He, he is one of the most absent representatives on voting. He doesn't live in the state of Alabama. None of his kids have ever gone to school in Alabama. Therefore, he does not know that this county is 66% rural, this district, and we've got these rural schools still using 20-year-old textbooks. Mm. He doesn't know that. Yeah, that's, experience that. that's kind of what's he made up. Sorry, go ahead, Rick. In, in, in 2005, in DeKalb County, he was the deciding vote. They got it over 8,000 jobs out of that district. We've got Bishop Mountain in Marshall County sitting up there. They, their water supply, the head wells, has become contaminated. In 2017, when he was running for re-election, he said the money was to build that, uh, put that water line in so they could get drinking water. Well, it's still not done. Yeah. What surprised me and more than anything about it? not about represent people of course. If you go look what he talks about, he talks about things in the 5th District, things in the 6th District, things in Eastern Germany, but not about the needs of the people in the 4th District. Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of what I was going to say is, is what surprised me more than anything about Adderhold is the fact that not, that he's he hasn't lived in Alabama since he's been in political office. None of his kids went to school in Alabama, and his kids are college age kids now. By the way, one of them, my understanding, is going to Auburn, but they never attended uh, public schools or any schools whatsoever in Alabama. Uh, he's basically MIA. So how 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 can someone understand the needs of the people in his district if he's never there i mean it's 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 impossible i absolutely agree and, and the question arises and i guess from the listening audience is what do we expect our rep- congressional representative to do this is from a a federal standpoint this is the person individual that represents 680, 700,000 people. That is their job to represent that interest in. And he replaced a man by the name of Tom Bevel, and Tom Bevel was known. It doesn't matter what came up before him. He was known for asking the question, how will that benefit my people in the 4th District? Yeah. More than once, whether a Republican bill or a Democratic bill, he said, I don't think mm-hmm. my people would like that, and he would stand against it, or that it will benefit my people, and he will stand for that. Some people don't know, but the I-20, I-22 corridor that went through, Tom Bevel and each Congress appropriated $10 million to keep that project alive. It did not come into fruition until after he left office, 
but he was the one that was looking out for the people of this district to ensure he understood the, he had the forward division to look forward to know that they would be there. And he laid the groundwork for a decade more before he led office, and it finally came to fruition afterwards. Hey, Rick, you may have said it, but how long has, uh, has Adderholt been in office? Too long. Too long, yeah, you're right. I think 26 years he's been. No, 24 years. 24 years. So, I mean, basically, he's a career, career politician. He's what he's a, most he's of the Republicans politician. say they don't want in the state of Alabama. Well, I would say that I've, I have pledged for term limits and support term limits on our congressional on senators and the representatives. And I've debated this particular issue on term limits because I said, number one, it's a constitutional issue. You've got to change the Constitution. And number two, people should have the right to vote for who they want to vote for, even if it is an incumbent. But I think our system has become so distorted yeah. mm-hmm. and so biased towards incumbents getting re- reelected and when we do that, and they're getting reelected because they've changed the laws to impact the corporations which fund their campaigns. For instance, 98% of his campaign funds come from facts in uh, wealthy people, not from the people in the fourth district. So uh, we have to, in order to shake that up, to ch- I'm, I'm an advocate of term limits just because of what has happened with our career politicians today. Right, right. You, you know, it is um, it is really unfortunate how kind of distorted the electoral system has um, has become with uh, um, you know the wealthy being able to basically buy and sell politicians and being able to give them lucrative and, and uh, wealthy careers uh, after after the end of their political career. Um, so we're coming up on the end of this segment, Rick. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, can, t- where can folks find you if they want to learn more about your campaign and uh, stuff like that? Uh, neighborsforcongress.com. I encourage you to go there and read about that. If you like what you read, Sign up, and if you really like what you read, join the group, and let's go change our neighborhoods. Okay. Thanks a lot, Rick. It was a pleasure having you on. All right, yeah, that was, uh, that was Rick Neighbors. He is running for Congress in the 4th Congressional District of Alabama. Like he said, if you want to learn more about him, you can go to his website and find out more. We will be right back with more of the Valley Labor Report. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. Folks, welcome back 
to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. It is Open Line Saturday. If you want to talk to us about anything, give us a call at 1-866-494-9866. That is 1-866-494-WVNN. Um, at the last Saturday of every month, we try to set aside uh, to take calls um, and answer questions that we get from social media and everything. And, and some of the, sometimes we'll like start off with somebody already on the line uh, just to kind of get things moving. And, and we this weekend, we started off with Rick Neighbors. He is running for um, Congress in the 4th Congressional District of Alabama. And I do really want to encourage people to actually... Like, if you're in the 4th Congressional District or you know people in the 4th Congressional District, like, do your homework and, and, like, learn about Rick Neighbors. Like, I would be willing to bet money that if you wanted to, like, he would go and, like... Uh, meet you and like get coffee with you and or at least respond to an email or something about why he's running. Uh, I'm sure he's got a lot of stuff on his website and I'm sure that some of the people on his campaign could answer questions for you and uh, I doubt that you'll be get that much responsiveness from Adderholt but you can, he's got a 24 year long record. You don't have to like ask him questions. You can see what he's done and like I really want to encourage people doing their homework because I feel like that does not happen nearly enough anywhere in Alabama, in, in um, Kentucky, in, anywhere in the United States. I feel like people don't do their homework because here in Alabama in 2018, we had some people running uh, for, in statewide races where the Democrats were by any metric, they were the best people for the job. Take the people that were running for the Public Service Commission on uh, as Democrats in 2018. We had Kara uh, 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 McClure and Kara... Um, Shoot, I forgot her last name, but it was like Cara and Kara were yeah. the, were the two yeah. the two Cara. women that were running for public service commission, and they were running on a platform of lowering utility bills, of uh, cutting financial ties from the people that were running the public service commission to the privately owned government mandated monopoly that is Alabama Power. They that were they're running, supposed to regulate. Yeah, that they're supposed to regulate. They were running on a platform of cutting energy taxes. Okay, they, they were running on a platform of better services, cheaper services, lower taxes, more um, more like in uh, a government with more integrity and they lost by the same amount, by the same percentage that every single other democrat lost running statewide. And but I w- I mean I would be willing to bet if most of these people actually looked at what they were running on and they looked at their opponents whose campaigns were totally funded by Alabama Power who were running on keeping energy taxes higher, keeping utility bills higher, uh, maintaining this incestuous relationship with the government-mandated private monopoly that they're supposed to be regulating, keeping that the status quo, they would have voted for the Democrats. But because they had a D next to their name, they voted for the Republicans. Yeah. Like, do do your homework is all I'm saying. And then in in um, was it Illinois? Maybe there was a person who ran for sheriff. It was a transgender Satanist anarchist who was running on a platform of f the police. She won, 
a uh, she won the Republican nomination for sheriff yeah. in some county. I in, saw that. In what was it? Maine I can't remember. Or, it's been a few years back, but no, I no, remember no, it was recently. That. It was a few months back that this happened. Okay, well then we're talking about something different. Yeah, and 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 like people still voted for her because they just oh, they're like oh well there's an R next to her name and she won the Republican nomination. It's like. It's crazy. She got thousands of votes, and these people wouldn't have even, like, looked at her if they had known who she was and what she was about. But because she hasn't had an R next to her name, they bubbled the, uh, they, they, like, filled in the bubble that was next to her name. And, I mean, you, like, you gotta do, you, you, you know, voting is a right, and with that comes the responsibility of knowing who the heck you are voting for. It's really important. And just because somebody has an R next to their name or a D next to their name does not mean that they have your best interest at heart, that they will be the best for the people of Alabama, for the people in your district. Um, I mean, you've got to make educated decisions. You've got to make an educated vote. And and like, like I said, like in 2018, those people that were running for the Public Service Commission as Democrats, they were clearly by any – if you're a small government conservative person, like – they were your they were your gals, okay, and they lost. Yeah, I mean, I, I say it all the time, and it, it, what you're saying is, is makes perfectly good sense. But you've also got to continue through the next four, six, two years in some cases, and hold your elected representatives responsible. Absolutely. You can't just vote. And say, I'm done with my civic duty. Right. Your civic duty is ensuring that these people are doing your job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as one of the things that uh, a good brother, uh, Douglas Williams, who you know from Twitter, oh, yes. Uh, yes. you know, when I was at W3, told us before we went to lobby our senators and House of Representatives in D.C., these people are not your idols, mm-hmm. they are not your heroes. They are your servants, Mm -hmm. and they are there to do the job for you, and you should treat them that way. They're no different than, 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 than someone that you hire to do a job, and you tell them what job you want done, and if they're not doing it good enough, then you call them and demand that they, that they represent your best interests, but we, we stop. We think... Okay, I've got the people in office that I wanted, that I thought that I wanted in office. I'm done for four years, and it never ends. It It, it is a never-ending battle to keep because there's always money at play. Yeah, of course, of course. Like, voting and knowing who you're voting for is, like, the bare – it's not even the minimum. Like, the minimum is, like, keeping on them. So, like, you're not even reaching the minimum by doing your homework and knowing who you're voting for and then voting. Um, you've got to, like, keep the fire under their feet. And anybody – you know, you see this meme uh, come around every once in a while that basically says uh, you're not interested in politics. Your landlord is. Yes. Your boss is. All of these people are very interested in politics because they understand where leverage comes from and and who gets funded and how they get funded. Right. And that's why we've got a, basically corporations running America these days. Right. Yeah. That, it's, it's exactly right. Like the people, the people in power care about politics. And you can tell that the people, you know, the higher the income the person has, the more likely they are to vote. And there's a reason for that. Um, 
So give us a call on the other side. 1-866-494-9866 is the number. It is Open Line Saturday. We'll talk to you in just a minute. Let me tell you what to do. Got to talk to the workers in the shop with you. All right. You got to build you a union. Got to Folks, make it strong. But if you all stick together, boys, it won't be long. To the you Valley got Labor Report. Powers. My name is Better Jacob Morrison. Here with my co-host, Vacations David Story. Better working conditions. That's right. Vacation. Because it ain't That's quite right. that simple, so I better explain just why you got to ride on the union train. Because if you wait for the boss to raise your pay, we'll all be waiting till Judgment Day. We'll judgment all be buried. Day. That's right. That's a minute. That'll be a, that'll be a minute away. Yeah, so thanks for tuning in, folks. We appreciate your time today. This is the Valley Labor Report, and this is Open Line Saturday. So give us a call at 1-866-494-9866. Got any questions? You got something you want to talk about? Uh, give us a holler, and uh, we'll bring you on the air. Um, what do you want to talk about this morning, Jacob? Normally, yeah. you've got something yeah, up well, your you sleeve. Saw me, you saw me I writing. know. He was writing I your was, manifest, yeah. Jacob's manifesto That's this right. morning. That's right, yeah. Well, you know, um, so I was on Dale's show Thursday morning. Mm. I was on Dale's show Thursday uh. morning, yeah. And we... Um, what did I, Dale have to say? Yeah, so I was... Um, and I'm gonna. I, we, I, we were supposed to talk about the Supreme Court, um, and we ended up spending most of the time on the murder of Breonna Taylor. And like, I'm gonna be. Hang on a second. You're telling me that you went on an ultra Republican talk radio yeah. show, and they railroaded you into talking about something <laughs> that you hadn't prepared for? Yeah. Surely well, not. I mean, I mean, it was fine. You know, I'd been reading a lot about it. It wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal. But I was not expecting to talk about that. And on, like, honestly, I was seriously surprised because I did not think that, um, I did not think that he would be so like blatantly apologetic about just the wanton lack of respect for human life displayed by the cops, their higher ups. The judges who issued the warrant, et cetera, et cetera, uh, saying that her death was the fault of her boyfriend for defending their home against intruders. Um, and it's amazing because, like, Dale even admitted that there were several things leading up to that moment that should not have happened. And yet, still, for him and for a lot, for the listeners in the audience, for the Kentucky Attorney General, for all these people, the blame fell on Walker. Why? I mean, the, the facts of the case are like there was a no-knock warrant issued, and no-knock warrants are supposed to be issued judiciously. They are supposed to specifically lay out why an individual should be no-knock rated, and this did not happen. With Taylor, there was a generic... Um, like it was literally cut and pasted from another warrant that was issued earlier in the week about why drug dealers in general are dangerous. There was no specific explanation as to why Taylor herself was dangerous, and that is a uh, that is a requirement that was set by the Supreme Court. Okay, so even if we accept no knock warrants as legitimate, this one was not. 
Well, and even if we accept no-knock warrants as legitimate, which I've heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard that they did knock. We all know what a knock at a door with a warrant with the police sound like. Three hammers on the door, police open up, and then the the, the battering ram mm-hmm. knocking the door off the hinges. Now, at 3 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. Seriously. I'm going to start so, shooting people. Right. So here's the thing, though. Like, Taylor's ex-boyfriend was the one that was, like, that they, that they were, like, suspecting of something. And there was no concrete evidence connecting her to any intentional participation in these crimes. She was associated with this person, but there was no, nothing connecting her to intentional participation. Making, again... This makes this midnight raid on her apartment difficult to justify, even if we assume that the war on drugs is legitimate, which it is not. Absolutely and not. So, Dale a con- and co- conservative commentators everywhere, the Kentucky Attorney General, assert that the police they, they assert that the police announced themselves, and this is the whole reason that people feel comfortable placing the blame on Walker instead of the police or the justice system, the war on drugs, uh, the system in general. It's because they say that the police announced themselves. But they rest that, they, they rest that assertion on one out of 12 people that were interviewed. One out of 12 people that were interviewed said that they heard the police announce themselves. And even this one person said that they heard the police announce themselves once. And dear, if it's if you're announcing yourself, you're supposed to be yelling over and over, police, 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 so that they know because it's one in the morning. Like people, you know, I'm asleep. I don't know about you, but I'm asleep at one in the morning almost every night. If you knock on my door once and say this is the police, my the way that my apartment is situated, I'm not going to hear you. Okay, and so all I'm going to hear is after that somebody knocking down my door with a battering ram. And, uh, I mean, it's like, it's entirely possible that they did once and Walker didn't hear it because it was in the middle of the night, like I said. And so what he would have heard is a bunch of plain clothed thugs banging down his door, which would make him entirely within his right to defend his life and his home and his partner with a gun, with lethal force. And bootlickers will tell you that he didn't have that right, that it was his fault that Brianna was murdered. And in the very next breath, they will tell you that the Second Amendment is necessary because we have to defend our, uh, we have to be able to defend ourselves against government tyranny. This was government tyranny. That's it's amazing just the dissonance that people have with situations like this because it was somebody that they wouldn't have contact with, that they don't care about, and because it was the cops, because the, uh, the, uh, there's, I mean, it's amazing. These people fly, don't tread on me flags, and they, uh, like, they just can't, they can't even speak because the boot is so far down their throats. I mean, oh my, like, it just blows my mind the lengths that people will go to to justify the, uh, the the murders of people and like the thing that like my critique is not that these cops were out on a hunting spree and they were going to kill uh, like they were they purposed that night to murder black people okay that is not the critique the critique is that the system is set up in such a way that it does not value human life and we have to change that system 
The blame is not on Walker for defending himself and his property and his partner. The blame is on the system that did not value their lives. And we have to change that system. Dale is a political commentator. Dale has conversations every week with the most powerful people in Alabama politics and his preoccupation is with the individual actions of people who are having their home invaded. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. That is insane. As a person with a public profile, people should be, like, that, that, that has these connections, people should be primarily invested in making the world a better place. And the most efficient way to make the world a better place is to set up systems such that human life is respected such that the police are protected such that the people that they are in uh, that they're encountering are protected and that's not the system that we have right now that's not the system that we have right now and it, it's it's it is a tragedy and it is absolutely the police should be held accountable the judge that signed this warrant should be held accountable um, the attorney general should be held accountable for not following through with holding these other people accountable I mean this is Look, an indictment of, of the whole system this is an indictment of the American citizens this is an indictment of the fact that we allow this to continue over and over and over again I, I, I mean, and, and it's on both sides. It's on both sides. You can yeah, say well, that we have people marching in the streets, but the fact is we have a lot of apologists on both sides that, that support this thin blue line mentality that police lives are at risk, which we know that police rank somewhere around 10 and 12, depending on what. 16. 16. 16. Depending on what, you know, uh, yeah. uh profession that you choose my profession ranks number one in many categories no in, in many uh, of the uh rankings that they do mm -hmm. uh, it, like in, in most uh, uh most at-risk jobs yeah yeah it, it, it it's bootlicking 101 yeah. I mean, and the problem is the same people just like you said the same people my people the people that I support 100% pro-2A folks, mm -hmm. you are killing us yeah. because you allow these police and these judges to write these warrants like this. I mean, look, who's, whose life is at danger knocking on somebody's door at 8 a.m. Any, any more than at 1 a.m.? This, this entire... This, uh, it's like we're in Afghanistan, and the and the founders wrote the Constitution and the Bill of Rights to protect you against unreasonable seizure. You know, it's I I don't get it. I, hey, we got Scott on the line. He called it. He list, He picked, he took up your uh, okay. your mantra of call in today, and so he said he would like to talk. I don't know what he wants to talk about, but right, welcome so to the I show, was, Scott. Yeah, I had already, I had already started, so I had to I had to wrap that up. So, uh, uh, Scott, thanks for calling in. Uh, what you got for us? Let me start by saying I'm a right wing conservative, but on the libertarian bent. I agree with everything you said. There was a recent case over in Georgia where. A no-knock warrant cops threw a flashbang grenade into the crib of uh, a yeah, baby, and the baby that. was severely burned. I agree. I heard yeah. your oh, and uh, one second, I will say that uh, that guy. Rand Paul and Justin Amash, libertarian Republicans, introduced uh, just the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act 
in um, in both houses of Congress that would end no knock warrants, and um, right. and so that that's great and that that's really good. And I I have a lot of affinity for the more libertarian type Republicans because I, I find them more more principled in you know the advocacy of li- of, of liberty, and uh, I don't necessarily agree with. The, their total definition of it, but I do find them more consistent and we can ally. Hey, Scott, hang on one second. The one thing that Jacob don't appreciate libertarians for is giving them a moment to speak. Yeah. We've got <laughs> about four seconds left. If you will, hang on just a minute and uh, we'll get back to you on the other side of the break. I apologize, brother. Uh, we, I we, I when did. Jacob gets on a diatribe, it's hard to stop him. But we'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, we'll be right back. This is the Valley Labor Report. If you want to talk to us, give us a call, 1-866-494-9866. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. Folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. My name is Jacob Morrison. I have with me my co-host, David Story. On the line, we have Scott. Scott, give us what you got. I'll just say real quick that your counterpart during the weekday, morning and evening, afternoon, are not my brand of conservative. <laughs> I get railroaded, too, when I call in. And what your co-host said about David said about being uh, bootlickers, and Trump has neutered all opposition to tracking down what representatives who are elected actually do. Mm. Trump supporters will not speak out against anything no, he does, and much right. of what he does is contrary to conservative principles. So I agree with you. I enjoy listening to both sides of the arguments, but Dale does not represent Republican No, I, I, I think no. we all know that. I mean, most yeah. of these talk okay. radio hosts... They're they're in the pocket of the GOP. We know that they they mirror their talking points, and ninety percent of the time, I listen to even Rush Limbaugh from time to time because I get a a good laugh out of it. Yeah. He does his best to speak for the president and hope that he'll pick up some of the talking points. But we know that well, all of these yeah, conservative you know, talk radio shows are are the champions of the GOP. Yeah, well, I mean, I well, don't know, like I um. I uh, it it I mean it really did surprise me that he was so um like honestly I did not expect that to to be his position that he he would like the blame is primarily on Walker and that you know like sure there this and that could have been different but like if he hadn't shot then she would still be alive and it's like and and, and they announced themselves and it's like you're going off of one person that was saying that like it it genuinely did shock me um I don't uh, me presumably too. he me believes too. that but I mean I don't know. I heard the interview, and I thought the same thing. It yeah. was not warranted. And, well, I, I thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to uh, say that I am listening and appreciate y'all's views. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, brother. I appreciate okay. it. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, if anybody else wants to give us a call, we will take all callers from all different uh, all different walks of life. We'll talk to libertarians. We'll talk to conservatives. We'll talk to uh, socialists. We'll talk to communists. We don't care. We'll just we'll just talk to everybody. And the reason that we're going to do that is because we want to make inroads where we can make inroads. Right, right. Everything don't have to be divisive. No. You know, I recognize that your 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 media outlets, Fox News, MSNBC, are going to be divisive your talk radio is going to be divisive because they want you to vote a certain way jacob would like you to vote a certain way as well (laughs) me not so much i really don't care how you vote as long as you vote but the biggest thing that that i always try to get across everybody is regardless of who you vote for hold them accountable Mm -hmm. but we definitely need to make inroads where we can make inroads Well, and that's and that's the reason that we wanted to um, be on the radio and be on WVNN instead of like having a podcast or something is because it, being on the radio, like we can reach folks that we wouldn't normally be able to reach. Um, and this is where you know, like conservative talk radio is where workers in Alabama come to for yeah. their news. That's where yeah. a lot of people, a lot of workers, um, uh, you know. Uh, uh, wage workers in Alabama. This is where they get their news, and so we want to we want to be able to meet them where they're at, and, um, and 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 you know give them give them a different perspective. I think we have a valuable perspective, and I think that um, you know, and I appreciate folks like Scott listening to us, um, even if they uh, you know I'm sure like he, he said he's a conservative libertarian type person, so I'm sure we disagree on a lot of things. But well, um, we disagree on a lot of things, but just like. Uh, was it Hoff? Tom Hoff? I believe. Hoff. 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 My yeah. apologies, Tom, if you're out there listening. You know, Tom come in and sit down with us, and there's several several key agenda points that we could we could agree on. And when we can agree, we need to make sure that we recognize. Quit dividing people. Mm-hmm. Quit this this entire. Well, you know, we was talking about it before the show. Quit the whole trolling thing. The you know the libtards and all that. It it does nothing mm-hmm. for either party other other than give everybody a good laugh. It's not helping America. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so like I said, give us a call if you want to chat. One eight six six four nine four nine eight six six. I guess we can kind of talk about uh, talk about the Supreme Court a little bit. Um, I uh, uh, that that was what that was what I was gonna gonna be talking about on Thursday, and and we ended up I, I ended up not being able to like present it the way that I or, or I didn't have enough time to really kind of delve into what what I what well, I would like to see there. I don't think you would have yeah. enough time if we had a 24 hour radio show. I know show, it. Chapter. I know. What did you I have to say? I'm interested to hear your your point yeah, of view. Well, like I um, <laughs> like because I I'm probably going to disagree with it. Oh, really? I think so. But I, I'm going to hear it out. I don't know. Well, so I like I uh, if I was a Republican, I would obviously want the Republicans to seat the to to seat another justice because like that's that's what politics is. Politics is about acquiring and exercising power, um, and. Uh, even like obviously the Republicans were lying when they said that they have this principled position about about not seating Supreme Court justices in election years. You know, Lindsey Graham is just bald face turning against everything that he ever stood for in his support for Trump and now in his support for Trump's nominee. Uh, Mitt Romney is uh, he's spineless. He uh, voted to impeach the president and that and he's like saying things about how oh it's bad that he's not saying that there is going to be a peaceful transfer of power, but he's still going to vote for his nominee. I mean, you know, so these people are like, these they will, they'll do whatever in the exercise of, they'll do whatever it takes in the exercise of power. 
And I wish that Democrats were that ruthless. That's what I wish. Dale asked me if uh, Democrats were in the same position, and four years later, um, you know, uh, like Justice it? Roberts uh, dies, should the Democrats do it? And I'm like, yes, of course. And then the, and, and before that, they should pack the courts. I mean, like, because this, the um, Republicans won the national popular vote once in the past 30 years, and they have appointed now all but two or three of these uh, justices on the Supreme Court. Like, that's not legitimate. I mean, that's, these are, th- this is a minority party that is, um, like, ruling over everybody, and they're dictating everything about our lives, and they are, um, and they're going to be, and well, now they're the going to have the Supreme Court. And so, yeah, like, they've, I think. They figured out how to game the system. Right. I think Biden should pack the courts. Absolutely. Do I think that he will? No. What do you think gerrymandering is? Yeah. I mean, they've been gerrymandering for you. Look, the Republicans are so much more intelligent. And we talked about it during the break yeah. about not only their talking points, but they're so much more intelligent about figuring out how to leverage power where power can be leveraged. And the Democrats don't do They think and, and, and in reality, the Democrats do typically carry the popular vote. Mm-hmm. It's understandable. That's why you've got so many Democrat governors. That's why you've got so many Democratic uh, local officials. But when it comes to gaming the system, the Republicans are great at it. Well, in 2018, Democrats in the Congress, Democrats won uh, uh, more of the vote than they ever had before in an off year, like a midterm election. And they did not win nearly as many congressional seats as they sh- as they should have because of Operation Red Map uh, that the Republicans did in 2010, where they took over a bunch of state legislatures and gerrymandered. Uh, I mean, gerrymandered districts to hell. Like it was crazy what they did. I mean, look at Alabama. Alabama has seven congressional districts. We routinely have 35 to 40 something percent of people voting for Democrats in the state, and only 17 percent of our congressional representatives are. Democrats. Only uh, 26%, 25% of our representatives in the state house are Democrats, and only 20% of our representatives in the state senate are Democrats. And it's because of gerrymandering, obviously. And um, and that's not that's not democratically legitimate. And so, like Democrats, big D Democrats, have to do what they can to reinvigorate and deepen small D democracy. They should pack the courts. They should make D.C. and Puerto Rico states. They should uh, pass a law ending gerrymandering nationwide. They should like they should do what they can. They should institute um, nationwide universal uh, universal suffrage. Everybody should be able to vote after you're 18 years old. They should have automatic voter registration. They should do these things to deepen democracy, make it easier to vote um, because that would that then people would be able to better express their will and um, and and but they but they won't and and I can't I can never decide if it's I can never decide if I feel like it's because they are spineless or because they are more beholden to their donors than they are to (laughs) than they are to their base. Well, but here's the thing: you you've driven up the conservative callers this morning, and they're spineless. I said, "What's your name?" We'll bring you on. He did not want to give me a name. 
He he just wanted to tell us that we didn't deserve to be on this conservative radio station. Uh, They're spineless, Jacob. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They're spineless. Well, well, but like I was saying that Democrats in power are spineless. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah, no, 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 no. I was on the phone with okay, uh, no, Mr. No. Mr. Was, Ultra Conservative. Yeah, well, no, I was saying that Democrats are spineless because they will not uh, acquire, they will not take the steps necessary to acquire and exercise power. Um, uh, uh, because and and well, w w what I was saying, I can't decide is whether or not I think that Democrats are spineless or if they're just more beholden to the donors in their party than because obviously the donors in the Democratic Party, these millionaires and billionaires that donate to Democrats, they don't want the uh, the American people to be empowered. They no, don't want to not. see a populist left wing agenda enacted. They don't want to see a more progressive taxation system. They don't want to see Medicare for all. They don't want to see a Green New Deal. And so I, I have trouble deciding if I feel like Democrats are just beholden to their donors. And so this is like the logical what they would do or if they're just spineless. But it's one or the other. And um, or and both. Really just, or both. Very yeah. well could be both. Right. Right. Coming up on a break, this is the Valley Labor Report. Give us a call, 1-866-494-9866. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. This Folks, welcome back to the Valley Labor Report. Yeah, I'm just going to riff a little bit more about um, about Democrats being spineless because, man, they're really spineless and they're beholden to their donors. But if you want to give us a call, one eight six six four nine four nine eight six six is it's, the number. It's very interesting that we've got these conservatives calling in, complaining about us, complaining about Democrats. I wonder. Do these people actually listen to the words that's coming know. out of our mouth, or are they just, if we say organized labor, then all of a sudden we're communist? I don't know. Well, so, you know, like like I was talking about, you know, like like the donors of the Democratic Party, they do not have, like, they, they have a very different interest than the base of the Democratic Party. And one of the ways that you see that is in Nancy Pelosi's um, the, the CARES II, the, the second relief package that she passed through the House of Representatives. Um, and, you, uh, and the way that she was expanding health care was through subsidizing COBRA, which is a private insurance plan. It's one of the least efficient insurance plans in the country. And she chose to, in this message bill, right, this was a message bill. She knew that this was not going to go anywhere. She knew that it was going to die in McConnell's Senate. And she chose to do that instead of expanding Medicare or expanding Medicaid, uh, which are much more efficient, which are uh, much better. But, like, why? Why would she do that instead of expanding Medicaid? Why would she do that instead of expanding Medicare? More efficient, more well, popular programs. Um, instead, she chose to subsidize these millionaires and billionaires that are run by... Um, you don't think that the healthcare industry and big pharma are donating to her campaign? That's what I'm saying. That's I mean, what that I'm is, saying. Is, is, is like, clearly quite simply why. Yeah, it's, it's really disheartening that we do not have as powerful a... Um, <laughs> as as ruthless and power-hungry Democratic Party as we do a Republican Party. Well, they are. They are as ruthless and power-hungry. The difference is uh, 
the, the donors that's donating to the Republicans are the same donors that's donating to the Democrats. I mean, yeah, you, 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 if you look it up, you'll see that that farmers donating to the Democrats just okay. they they hedge their bets. Yes, they constantly that's hedge right. their bets, and they own both parties. Mm-hmm. People, people have. Uh, if you'll wake up and start looking at everything, you'll recognize yeah. that that lobbyists own both parties. Simple. Right. And um, and that's like uh, oh, and speaking of health care, if Trump gets his Supreme Court nominee, you can kiss uh, protections for pre-existing conditions goodbye because um, that Amy Coney Barrett has said specifically that she thinks uh, um, that Obamacare is unconstitutional and that it should be it should be struck down, Inclu- like the whole thing, including. Um, protections for pre-existing conditions which is a very popular thing which Trump has said over and over that he would protect he would protect while his administration is suing to end protections for pre-existing conditions yeah i mean it's 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 insane it is it's really crazy well um, the one thing that you're constantly going to get out of Trump is talking points that he has no intention of following through yeah. with said, i mean that's that, that's right. a guarantee well he was once for single-payer health care when he ran for president in 2000 uh, on the reform party he was for universal health care and even when he was running as a republican in, in an interview he said something about like oh our health care plan is going to cover everybody our health we're going to make sure everybody has health care what happened to that <laughs> like less people have health care now than when obama left office even before the pandemic before the pandemic, less people had health care than when Obama left office. I thought everybody was supposed to have health care under well, the Trump health care plan. I thought Mexico was going to pay for the wall. I thought Mexico so, was paying. I thought I mean, we were going to have good. a wall. I thought oh, we were going to have a wall. I thought that we were going to. We're still uh, shipping more jobs to Mexico. Yeah, you know, my brothers we gonna, and sisters at, at Boeing lost jobs to a Mexican plant just this past month. They're shipping, I can't remember the exact number, is a couple of thousand Jobs where uh, union members make the uh, the internal uh, seats and things like that of the airplanes. Gone to Mexico. Just as soon as NAFTA 2.0, the great upgrade to NAFTA, was signed, they announced they're shipping the jobs right. to Mexico. Goodyear just sent uh, shipped uh, uh, shipped jobs from a union Alabama plant to Mexico. In Gadsden. In Gadsden, yeah. Like not to like it was in 2019. We're really right? protecting all of these workers yeah. in in the United States right now. There was a plant that Trump held a rally at, saying that he was going to protect their jobs. He was going to protect these carrier. workers. Carrier, carrier. Again, my they brothers and sisters. Yeah, they lost their jobs to outsourcing under the Trump administration. Well, the and they the one good thing that come out of it and i'm being sarcastic here is they got a big tax break right oh. before you know they come in and force the governor to give them a tax break to keep those jobs there they kept them there for about another year and then went ahead and outsourced them so yeah i mean hey at least the company got a, got propped up for another couple of years yeah at least those executives got to line their pockets uh, with some hard earned taxpayer money that's that's the that is the uh, the Republican. That is playbook. the American way. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what like that subsidies for the rich. Yeah. I mean, just drag like yourself it. up by the bootstraps for the poor. Yeah, it it, it it's really, <laughs> I mean, it's really disheartening because um, I mean I don't like that was one of the things where 
I was like, okay, well, maybe this is something that Trump is going to have a little bit more initiative on. I thought so, too. I genuinely, when, I he, thought so too. when he was elected, I'm like, okay, this guy is a buffoon. He doesn't know anything, just like Tommy Tupperville now. Um, but, like, maybe he actually cares about Rust Belt workers. And, and I didn't and think he actually cared about like the workers. Something about I it. thought, I honestly thought he would recognize as a businessman that keeping well-paid, keeping well-paid jobs in America would benefit business as well, and he would work overtime to ensure that those jobs stayed here. Mm-hmm. And 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 he hasn't. Yeah, he hasn't. I can't remember. I I can't remember. I, I see my brother Hassan uh, Solomon talking last week to Brother Dave uh, on their district report, and I think he said we have lost 60, over 60 plants has closed in the four years under the Trump administration, just in the machinist union alone, over 60 plants we have lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm speechless. Yeah. It's going to get to the point to where if there's no one else to pay taxes, if there's no one else to buy your product mm-hmm. because we're all starving to death, you're, you're not going to have a business to run. Right. And at that point, I don't know what you do. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe they move to another country and start a new America and, and we, we're left here with the scraps. I don't know. Maybe they move to Mars with, um, with, Elon? with Elon Musk. Yeah, another great non-union company. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, truthfully, truthfully, it's getting to that point. Mm-hmm. And I seen somebody uh, post on Twitter this this past week about, uh, you know, the about why would you uh, for leftists? Why would the leftists not support Biden? And is it because they believe that the only way we're ever going to rebuild anything is the further destruction of the of, of the government in general? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's where we're at. I think that's where Republicans are at for certain. Yeah. And Democrats are trying to buy a few more years out of it, but it's not going to happen. Uh, it's just con- 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 it's, it's continually happened for the last 40 years. It's going to continue to happen so long right. as we keep putting these people in office. Well, I mean, the trend has, uh, even with Democrats in office, the trend of Absolutely. stagnating wages, um, worsening health care, of, uh, like, lessening worker power in this country has continued unabated basically since the 70s absolutely and um, we say it all the time bill clinton didn't do anything to help us no no and and that's like one time i was talking to somebody and i was like and they were like oh i bet you think bill clinton was a conservative and i'm like well yeah like he was like he was literally he was ultra conservative he's a neoliberal like i don't know what you want me to say like yeah bill clinton was conservative classic conservative um but, I mean, and you know, we talk about it all the time. We are, I, I have been probably the most outspoken leftist against Doug Jones of anybody. And I speak out against him continually because he is a Republican. Yeah. He is a Republican, whether y'all realize it or not. He's just like an Eisenhower Republican. Yes. He doesn't, like, he, he, he thinks that. <laughs> I mean, now, look, I, I voted for him. I cast yeah. my vote, I cast my ballot a couple of weeks ago, absentee, and I voted for him. I'll be completely honest with you. Yeah. But I didn't vote for him 
because he, he he's a Democrat. I voted right. for him because I thought he was at, better than than his opposition. Yeah, which is I, yeah, I, it's harm reduction at this point. Right, right, and that's that's how almost every single vote that I've ever cast has been. It's been for harm reduction, lesser of two evils, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, I don't know. Yeah. So battle us. Call in. I mean, goodness gracious, man. You know, we are the most anti-democratic Democrat radio show on the air, you know. one 4949 is the number. Um, we got about 15 minutes yeah, left. Yeah, we got about 15 minutes left if you want to talk to us about anything. Um, but, you know, like, the, the, the reason that I, uh, like, the, uh, our big thing is not to get you to vote for Democrats. Our big thing is to get you to organize. And like we were saying last week, having a union really insulates you. Not uh, not 100%, obviously, but having a union, having a contract with your employer, it really insulates you from a lot of the... Um, from a lot of the like consequences of political elections. I mean, uh, now, you know, um, with... The reproductive rights being on the line at the Supreme Court, this is obviously something that a union can't do at an individual work site. But, uh, you know, like it does um, it, it does help uh, insulate you in other ways. Like if health care is taken away, uh, if 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 the uh, if you protection for pre-existing conditions is overturned, that's not going to change for union workers with a union negotiated health care plan. You know, I mean, that's like that is the thing that we want. And it doesn't matter if you're a conservative or a libertarian or or a liberal or a left winger like that is what um, uh, like a union is is one of the best and most efficient ways to make your life better in the life of your brothers and sisters on the job better. David, uh, I reckon we've got to call it. Yeah, we've got a good friend, Rocket City QC on Ah. the line. Uh, Welcome in, brother. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. The coffee's finally kicking in. I feel you. Can you hear me? How's the audio levels? Oh, it sounds great. Sounds wonderful. Awesome. Um, So just one thing I thought I might ask you. Um, When I'm out here talking to folks, and uh, a lot of times they want to say there's this distinction between politics and the economy. And this is something I see largely when I'm talking to the more conservative types, but I get it a lot when I'm talking to like left adjacent types too. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that. Politics are different than the economy, is what they say. Yeah, like when I'm talking to somebody and I just, you know, mention something about unions or a worker cooperative, something to that end, and they start and saying things along the lines of don't bring politics into economics. Hmm. They want to view them as completely different, but at least one definition of politics is arguing about who gets what and why. Right. Which what? is a very economical decision, right? Exactly. I think that's the most You get operative. this good or service because you agreed to do a thing for me, whether that's give me money or a favor in kind. Right, right. I think that's the operative definition of politics. Uh, we'll answer that question on the other side of the break. Uh, but I think basically, I think, I think you're right. Politics and the economy are inseparable. You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with David Story and Jacob Morrison. The long-haired preachers come out every night 
I try to tell you what's wrong and what's right But when asked about something to eat uh, They will answer in voices of sweet You will eat, you will eat by and by my name is Jacob Morrison here with my co-host David Story. We got a question from Rocket City QC um, before the break um, asking about is politics separable from the economy? And I think I think no. I think no. I think the people that, that, that uh, say things not as much money as in politics nowadays. No. I mean politics, I think I think that people political actors sometimes try to like this is explicitly the project of the uh, neoliberal capitalist uh, economists like Milton Friedman and Friedrich Hayek they try to obscure and mystify the economy and turn it into a science and say that capitalism is just the that's just the natural way that markets and society ought to is structured and it's just it's just mystification that's all it is and and then they try and then these people try to make politics about these social issues which it is po- politics is about social issues but politics is definitely also about the economy yeah. uh, like you said before right before you got off you said that one definition that you've heard and I think the most operable definition the most relevant definition of politics is who has what and why and the decision to like the, the 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 deciding who has what and why is politics it is a collective decision about who has what and why well it's not collective i well, mean let's it, let, it, it should, should be, be it collective should be. Yeah, let's yeah, be yeah. honest but it's not collective no so um so yeah i think i think you are i think you're definitely right to be skeptical of people who try to separate the economy from politics you can um, you can i mean look when when we have government officials Given land to companies, government officials giving taxpayer land to companies to build in in your district. Right, that is politics one hundred and one. I mean, that, you do yeah. not separate that, brother. We got Jeb, a fellow uh, fellow brother, iron worker on the line. He wanted to talk about one of the reasons. Well, I'll let him uh, give his own thoughts on it, brother. Welcome in. Yes, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I think something that's uh, often overlooked is the direct correlation between uh, the decline in union membership through the 70s, uh, you know, and the decline in wages. That's absolutely really when a lot of the anti-union uh, propaganda started, and uh, obviously that's when the wages started declining, especially here in, in North Alabama. Uh, I think you probably trace it back to Reagan a little bit more in absolutely. North Alabama, but... Uh, you know, well, let's trace back to Reagan. Let's trace back to Reagan completely across the United States. If you look at the numbers over the United States, it's a direct correlation to what Reagan done, mm-hmm. and Bill Clinton well, followed up. And, you know, and you know, it's it's yeah. quite simple. But well, you're I right. Think that's uh, that's why what y'all are doing is so important because uh, y'all are spreading word about what labor can do to raise up the communities that we live in, and. Uh, yeah, you know, that's uh, it, it, the wages, uh, the conditions, the, the everything. It's we we can help everything by organizing. And that's one thing that I constantly preach. I try to be, and you know, and 
it's difficult for me to toe the free market line, but I, but the fact is we're living in this free market economy, somewhat free market economy, and, and that's where we're trying to talk to conservatives if they'll listen and say that unions are the, the free market answer to unchecked mm-hmm. capitalism, and, and that's the only, that's the only, the absolute only alternative to just letting the company do what they want with workers. Well, and, and when you've got more wages uh, or, or higher wages, uh, the folks can spend more money. They can send their kids to college. They yep. can buy nicer things, et cetera. And, uh, you know, whether that raises the communities up out of the poor, especially downtrodden communities that have been stepped on for uh, decades and decades and, and decades. And, uh, uh, yeah, not just the communities, no the businesses well, as well. Good, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if, good, oh, yeah, yeah, because. Uh, you know, a lot of times you, you go, but if I'm working at Ford and, and can afford to buy a, a new vehicle, I'm going to go buy a Ford or a Chevrolet or, or like Toyota in North Alabama, you know, which uh, thankfully, and I'm not trying to defend Toyota, but they uh, they do pay a decent wage compared to some of the other non-union uh, car plants in the South. And, uh, and you know what? I know the, that's one the, of the reasons why they moved to Alabama was because we're a right-to-work state, but it's... Uh, I'm you know, not they a def- pay a fair wage. Yeah, and I'm not a defender of Toyota by any stretch of the imagination, but the fact is they recognize whenever building their plant that labor, union labor, was far superior to non-union labor. And and they and to the dismay of our governor, they demanded that union labor build that plant. Mm-hmm. So so you, you yeah, know, I mean they, give uh, props to, to them where, where props are to be deserved. But also give props well, to those union workers that's out there building that plant. Oh, hey, buddy. But believe me, I give props to them every day. I, uh, I'm the business manager for the iron workers, and I've, right now I've got about 215 uh, men and women out there building that plant, and we've been out there for over a year and a half. So uh, Yeah, I'm saying no when, when I say give props, you know, I say, I, I'm talking about Governor Ivey should be giving props oh, to these union workers. Well, hey, who's Heard and Tommy Battle went to Japan to, to meet with Toyota before this thing ever went and carried uh, anti-project labor agreement packets with them that were distributed out by the, the ABC of Alabama uh, to go directly directly to the, the owner and try to make this thing go non-union. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, you look at the wages that are being generated over there and, and the money that's coming back into the economy by having a a project labor agreement that's got, I mean, they've got requirements in there for local hires and uh, stipulations for safety and all that. So people are making more money that live in the counties in North Alabama and uh, and they're coming home with all their fingers and toes every day. And, yeah, and, and here's another thing that, that very rarely gets talked about that should is the fact that that union labor that y'all are doing is going being put back into the community through community projects to help improve at, at no cost to the community it's coming out of y'all's pocket no cost to the community you're going out there and improving the football fields that the high schools are playing in you know and, and things like that that very rarely any any of the politicians want to talk about well it's uh it's not about recognition it's about boots on the ground and doing the right thing and uh you know that's uh well, again, that's why I commend y'all for what y'all are doing. Y'all are spreading a good word and uh, doing a good job of it. I'm glad to hear these 
uh, conservative callers calling in because that means that they're listening, and that's a that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and we we appreciate. I wish you could get a stronger signal in West Alabama, but uh, <laughs> hey, I, I can get you on YouTube. You know. There you <laughs> yeah. go. There you go. Yeah, and we appreciate y'all listening. And we appreciate the iron workers support. Um, uh, we we really really do. Uh, thanks for calling in, brother. I appreciate it. I pulled it off. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. We are yep. so close to the break. Right. All right, so folks, this has been the Valley Labor Report. We appreciate your time. Tune in again next week, and you can find us online uh, if you want to go back and watch some of it. So uh, we will see you next week. Next week.